Welcome back to the Back Your Own <laughs> Podcast. I am your host, Plays with Squirrels. Plays with squ- Squirrels? You're not going to... That no, just not, your, that's your I'm full name? My, it's my full name. Plays with Squirrels. Okay. Uh, my name is, is Dan Mayotte. I can't think of anything else that's funny. Um, yeah, I don't know why Plays with Squirrels came to me right off the bat, but for those Boy Meet Worlds, boy, yeah, Boy Meets World. Fans, boy Eats World. Uh, boy Eats World. Jimmy Eat World. Oh, God. We are off the rocker already. Oh Let's yes. Do this. Um, yeah, it's been a minute. Welcome back. Yeah, we. Uh, you know, we promised. We, actually, we didn't promise anything. To be fair, with the last episode, we said maybe. We don't owe you anything? We'll we'll come out with an episode. Maybe not within three weeks or a month. But hey, it's been three weeks. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. We've got lives. I had a birthday. It was. It's. It's been a whole. It's been a whole little ride here since we last recorded. A lot has happened. Uh, a ton has happened. Which is uh mostly good news yeah i mean at least patriots wise but there was also a lot of general news with the nfl the past like couple weeks oh man it's been a uh the nfl's in kind of a weird spot i feel like yeah i mean it's it's also like any given sunday anyone can lose but i think what has been surprising is the amount of off off the uh field news like there was aaron Rodgers with the whole covid thing there was henry ruggs with the jesus like that terrible crash footage of that and a truly <laughs> truly boneheaded move on that guy's part like it's so it's so bad like there's no words that can can describe that you know um him driving drunk that's bad and combining that with driving at 156 miles per hour that's bad combining that is like the most terrifying terrible thing in the world yeah he's uh it's not it's not a good look that the the camera footage of it was insane throw the book at him like yeah at that point yeah i mean 22 years old and his career is done yep he's over indeed he is um but yeah what else what else like around the nfl has been going on i saw that uh john gruden might be suing the nfl it was because of the whole email thing and he said some pretty terrible things in his email like rightfully so he deserved to be fired and i don't know why he's suing the nfl but the Raiders are a mess right now. Like the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Like, well, and got- and apparently like the Washington football team kind of ratted out on uh, John Gruden with that email thing. And then, oh really? Yeah, they did. And then Washington football team, they were trying to have the media not talk about it. So they were going to have like a player's number retired, Sean Taylor, the late great Sean Taylor. And that it's like, no, we still know about the email thing. Like you, all of you guys were talking about it with John Gruden. Yeah, that whole thing's a mess. There's a lot of like, I mean, there's always controversies around the the NFL every season, but it seems like this season has been like not only crazy football wise, but yeah, all the stuff that's happening off the field since the beginning of the season has just been badness. Right. And then we also had Aaron Rodgers kind of pretty much lying about being uh, vac- vaccinated. Yeah, he, he had a homeopathic remedy or something. Like He's listening to like medical advice from Joe Rogan. He actually said oh, that on like Mr. an Rogan. interview. 
dude. I find Joe Rogan so incredibly boring. <coughs> like he's not he's not a good interviewer. He gets good guests, but he's just such a yes man that like he literally just wants his guests to keep talking and that's like that's the entirety of his show. I just he's like I just I don't think he's like evil. I just think he's dumb. <laughs> I think he is he he's grossly misinformed about a lot of things. Claims to be an expert on a lot of different things, especially medical like things about the in the medical field and now listen i'm not a medical expert either but i'm not going to go on a podcast and say like i started taking these supplements and makes me feel really good and you should like do it too i <coughs> it's the mis- kicker being that he gets kickbacks from sponsoring some of that stuff too that's true too i mean it's just the misinformation that that get that gets to me and i don't like that um yeah so let's uh let's do what we usually do and start off the start off the meat and potatoes with uh what we're drinking tonight actually don't know what i'm drinking Hold on. <laughs> well while aj is figuring out what he wants to drink i'm just drinking a brooklyn lager um there you go standard stuff it's pretty good um if you're ever in williamsburg in brooklyn I would recommend going to their brewery. Um, I think you do have to pay because everything in New York is money, but it's a fun time. I would I would recommend going to it. Um, <laughs> be the new should be the new slogan. New York, <laughs> everything is money. I mean, everything is. There's um, in New York, they just opened up this this. Um, tourist island and you have to pay money to go on it you have to pay to go to like is it literally just an island yeah it's a small little island what's there to do i don't know but that's it's just a... <laughs> i'm not doing that though that's stupid uh, it's about it's about the exclusivity um so i had poured myself a i had poured myself a glass already uh but i did not fully pay attention to what it was i am drinking uh dark horse cabernet sauvignon of red wine because i felt a little fancy tonight and yeah, that's that. Yeah, it's good. It's it's a cab. So for any of you wino type people, it's basic and cheap, but I'm enjoying it. So yeah. What notes are you uh, getting out of it? Uh, there's notes of oak and dark cherries. Um, See, I like drinking decent, wine. De- I just don't know nothing about like it's a, any of the notes or anything like that. A decent tannin profile. Um, I did actually. I I took <laughs> I took a class on wine and winemaking for college credit. Oh, I actually, I know a little bit. I'm by no means an expert, but that was one of the more fun semesters I've ever had. I mean, it's it's a joke course. I mean, basically, some of those some of those tests and stuff were pretty serious, but uh, but no, we got to tour a couple of different wineries and we had, we sampled, I think, six wines each class. So there was like a little bit of food that they'd have, but it was always like basically glorified charcuterie boards. So... I mean, I would, it would imagine be a, it, it being like the match pairing you know what i mean yeah basically it was a uh it was a good way to pregame a tuesday night (laughs) 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 welcome welcome to college yeah yeah that sounds about right although i don't think i don't think either of us can really talk (laughs) as it's 732 central 832 eastern and we're sitting here talking football and drinking so yeah but we're just having a drink i'm sure in your wine class you did like the whole like spit thing when you're like tasting wine no really we had spit buckets if we didn't like it but we were we were drinking i know that like if you go to a vineyard like if you're tasting multiple wines they give you like they expect you to spit i mean at some places i guess they do every time i've gone i've just been straight up drinking i mean maybe that's just a stereotype i've never been to a winery though 
I've only been to a few, but I've enjoyed every one that I've gone to. Wine tastings are cool. Yeah, I mean, wine is good. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that covers drinks. Uh, what do you wanna What do you wanna start with? Where did we leave off last time we talked to our lovely loyal listeners? So the last game that we talked about was. We last talked about the last Jets game. <laughs> the absolute clinic that we put on scoring 54 points to the Jets 13. I mean, we got pretty close to that recently. Yeah. But, but uh, after after putting the beat down on the Jets uh, on Halloween, we won. It wasn't on Halloween. The, it was uh, we played the Chargers on Halloween. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. On okay. Halloween, we, we played the Chargers and beat them 27 to 24, <laughs> which was um, a little close for comfort. But a win is a win. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't catch a lot of that game because I was out and about for Halloween, but I did see some highlights and they did what they needed to do to, to get done, to get it done. Exactly. I spent, uh, I did not get to catch most of that game either being otherwise occupied for October 31st, but the highlights that I saw made it look like, I mean, it was a big competitive game and the Chargers are, you know, Chargers are an okay team. So it's a little bit, uh, I'd say it was a little bit nicer to pull out a win there. I mean, they were they were a playoff team last year weren't they i believe so yeah. i mean last year we handed their heads to them but uh this year this year we didn't quite destroy them the way we did last year um but yeah it was a it was a competitive game and from what i saw following along on like the espn app and watching highlights after the game it looked it looked pretty good and it was nice to get a win um n- nice to get a win regardless especially against a team that's like not the jets yeah i mean a pretty competitive team that that uh, pick return by Adrian Phillips, that was a huge play. Agreed. Um, I mean, Nick Folk, towards the end of the game, getting that field goal, kind of putting the Chargers out of reach with very little time left. So... You know, uh, Charger game. What? Chargers game was Chargers game was good. It was nice to it was nice to not have a uh, nice to not be talking about moral victories. It's nice to have actual ones. Yes, because <laughs> that Jets game. That's I mean we should always look like that against the Jets. They are that bad. Mm-hmm. And God willing, always will be. Now the Panthers game. The Panthers game is when we started having fun, and I would argue that's that was that was we're gonna look back, and that's going to be kind of that game is gonna be. I think the real kind of turning point for this season um and we'll get more into a little bit of adjusted predictions and everything later on but yeah uh sam darnold seeing ghosts again yeah i mean i mean the carolina panthers don't trust him at this point and that's why we later found out early like late last week they signed cam newton back which can we just talk about that for just a brief second i've said it before on the podcast and i'll say it again i love a cinderella story and i love the idea that you know cam gets let go and he kind of floats around a free agency and we pick him up and he made some you know he made a solid impression up here in new england or up there in new england yeah in tennessee i gotta remember that for sure <laughs> um, and uh yeah so he goes and he learns a little bit and he went through training camp with the Pats this summer gets let go again and he gets a he gets welcomed back to the team that drafted him and two plays two touchdowns like Cam's back it's kind of cool I, I love when he scored the first running touchdown he's like I'm back 
I'm yep. back. He's like yelling. It's that was so great to see. I'm very happy for Cam Newton. Glad to see him back playing, and it's nice to see him back with Carolina. Yeah, he, I mean, I liked I liked seeing Cam in a Pats uniform as we went. You know, we talked about it all through last season. But there is there is something just right about him wearing that like black teal and white. You want to know? It's funny. So they let go. They released Cam Newton, brought in Teddy Bridgewater. They trade him away. They still have to pay his contract. I think they're still paying some money on Cam Newton's old contract. Now they're paying for Sam Darnold and another quarterback, plus the new contract for Cam Newton. Really, you really got to love. It's things like that that make you appreciate the way <laughs> Bill Belichick, the GM, runs the organization. Like other team, other teams like Carolina end up in that situation where they're paying two contracts for a single player. Meanwhile, we we deal we deal away Kyle Van Noy and then get him back a season later and we end up getting draft picks for it right. instead of wasting money on two separate contracts like <coughs> bill is ruthless it's awesome but let's talk about this carolina game um yeah so uh, i know a lot of the talk of this game was mac jones dirty play that was like a huge point of emphasis yeah a- and you know what like i think what happened was he was i mean if he's frustrated by it like i get it like throwing what was it an interception or was it like a fumble i think it was i think it was a fumble yeah you got sacked lost the fumble um i wouldn't call him a dirty player i mean yeah it didn't i mean it didn't look great but i also don't think you know and i guess time will tell but it seems like dirty players are usually always playing dirty right exactly (laughs) i mean consistently this this seems like an honest to god mistake like he thought the guy had the ball and wanted to you know if he did if if he did have the ball it's max job to try and tackle him and that's what he did yeah so you know you want to you want to clean that up going forward you don't want to you don't want to have plays that look like that for sure but i don't think you know i think it was kind of blown out of proportion uh in the media yeah for sure i mean mac did enough to win wasn't the greatest game um but we don't ask him to do too much i mean we rely heavily on our running backs and I think that's kind of a detriment to the team because we've seen that when when <coughs> Matt gets let off the leash a little bit, you know, we have some we have some really fun games and have like the possibility of some really fun play designs and stuff. And here's uh here's where this game is where I start keyword start walking back a little bit of my hatred for uh for Josh McDaniels. So my cousin Bobby can rest easy. Josh has been calling I guess Josh has been calling better games, and I think we like everyone is finally on the same page yeah i think it's been like i don't i don't think we're you know fully reversing i would argue three years of really just kind of bland offensive play calling that being said you know, these past these past two games uh starting with the starting with the carolina game we really got to see that okay like there's still gas in the tank there and there's there's effective ways that we can use what we have in the locker room and you know make something make some cool things happen so well done josh on the panthers game and that was the Panthers game made it three 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 wins in a row. Yeah, and I mean is, this Panthers defense is really good. They're really young. They just like they're an up and coming team. I mean Stephon Gilmore. They have Hassan Reddit, who he's been really good. Yeah. Uh, Brian Burns is young. Uh, that's who Mac Jones was holding on to. But Brian Burns is like a menace. He always gets into the backfield trying to get like sack the quarterback. And I mean our defense is just as good. It's better. I think our, our defense I, is playing at such a high level right now. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> 
you know, Matt, Matthew Judon especially is just what an absolute beast of a player. He has been the best pickup for this team. Hands down. Like last year I said, we have no one that can get after the quarterback. We finally have that one guy. And when Matthew Judon is double teamed, we have other pl- players that are able to get to the quarterback and make plays. I mean, that's that's what we were talking about when free agency started at the beginning of this season. Like I think I think Bill sat back and, you know, watched a lot of tape last season and realized, you know, there's no there's no pass rush. Our defense was just Swiss cheese, just holes everywhere. I mean, and it, it was good, but we were getting a lot of turnovers, but we weren't getting forcing teams like long third downs and like getting punts. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that even when we were getting turnovers, you know, the offense wasn't doing anything with those. Yeah, that's that was the frustrating part about it all. It was just, you know, it was a little it was a little disheartening to watch. And now, you know, now we're getting we're getting Sam Darnold, who seemed to be uh seemed to be doing all right with the Panthers, you know, getting out from underneath all the baggage that comes with playing for the New York Jets. You know, he goes to the Panthers and he looks like a little bit of a different quarterback, and then along comes Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and man, they just they just made him look terrible. Yeah, for sure. Um I will say and I love Damian Harris, but he can't be the feature back of this team. We need to share it more, especially with Ramondre Stevenson. He's cooking up. He I is, like it. He is killing it. He Give it to the hot hand. Uh, yeah. I, I know Damian Harris was injured this week, but we can't we can't have a a uh, a running back average two yards per carry getting 15 carries like that's just not gonna cut it unfortunately yeah that's just not productive no it's not <laughs> we're it's not not, a, not a, it's not a good way to win football games no but i mean we made it out winning this game pretty easily it wasn't i, I there wasn't a sense of worry about this game because sam darnold was just making way too many mistakes looking like the same old sam sam darnold exactly so it was a uh trip to Carolina looked uh looked just fine. I wasn't I wasn't mad at that. Um now in between the Carolina game and this past week's uh or yesterday's game against the Browns, there was a bunch of talk and a bunch of rumors. Everybody was wondering what was gonna happen with uh Odell Beckham Jr., who got let go by the Browns. Right. And there were a lot of New England Patriots fans that really, really wanted him to come to us. <coughs> Now, I like Odell. I think he's a very talented player. And you put him in the slot, like the same role as Julian Edelman. I mean, Odell Beckham is one of the best slot wide receivers in the league. Definitely. Like he is, he's great. Um, The injuries are concerning, but I mean, I didn't think they were going to have a chance with him because... Odell came out and said, I want to be with a competitive team or I want to be with a Super Bowl contending team. And Patriots just aren't that. We're not a Super Bowl contending team yet. Like we are keyword key with yet. I think we're a playoff contending team, but not Super Bowl contending. Well, with this past week's game, wasn't it if we lost this game, there was like a 32% chance of us making the playoffs at all. And now after winning it, we're 68 or 70% chance to make it to the playoffs. Like, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a slow burn. But I mean, this this team is legit. But the biggest problem with the biggest beef with Odell Beckham being on the Browns, I mean, the Browns are a run heavy team. They have Nick Chubb. They have Kareem Hunt. One of the best two running back combos probably the best running back combo in the league which they didn't have this week unfortunately or fortunately for us yeah fortunately for us fortunately for us but they were both out and they 
we're also a run heavy team. We don't have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, but we just pass when we have to. I mean, you look at, we only pass the ball 23 times. Actually, no, not 23 times, 26 times total over this game. We ran it 34 times. Odell wouldn't be happy here. Yeah, he, he's looking for targets and he wasn't getting them from, he wasn't getting them on the Browns. So uh, after all the talk all week, we end up with Odell Beckham Jr. with the Los Angeles Rams, who are more, it's looking more and more like they might be buying their way to the Super Bowl this year. They're like the, um, they look like a Madden team. I mean, yeah. Like they look like a team. I mean, I wouldn't assemble a something like that on Madden, but like they got Vaughn Miller and now they got Odell Beckham, which conveniently, I guess not convenient for them because this is kind of a big blow for them. Um, Robert Woods just went down with an ACL tear. He's probably gone for the rest of the year. So you, yeah. you lose Robert Woods, you bring in uh, Odell Beckham with like Matthew Stafford. Going to be a good team. Yeah. And I love Mac Jones, but he's not quite on the same level as Matthew Stafford yet. I think he can be. I think he could be better than Matthew Stafford, but as of right now no i mean if we end up do we end up playing them this no so not during the regular season no we we don't we end up if we end up making it that far and it's us and the rams i'm concerned but that's a talk for a different time oh yeah like i don't see us playing them (laughs) so we're uh let's talk let's talk a little bit about the uh the beatdown yesterday yeah 45 to 7 patriots versus browns You know, I believe going, especially going into this season, when we made our predictions about how, what we potentially saw in the Patriots and what we saw their record to be, I circled this, this, uh, I circled this matchup because I knew it was going to be a tough game. Browns are a great team. I still think they're a good team. They've just had some pretty bad luck this year and a tough schedule. They are the bad luck Browns, but also, yeah, they have had, they've had an objectively, I should probably talk into the mic, huh? <laughs> they they definitely had a tough schedule and they are a really good team. I don't think anybody was expecting I don't think anybody was expecting it to be that like that much of a beatdown. No. Like the the that's the outside of the Jets, which of course, you know, 54-13 Patriots over Jets. That's you're expecting that. I don't think anybody was expecting 45 to 7, like hold them to one touchdown. Yeah. While we just ran up and down the field and really just kind of embarrassed them. Like we looked like I said, later later on down the season, I think that Carolina game is going to really be, you know, what people call the turning point in the season. But I think this was a statement game of like, especially after the whole Od- the whole Od- Odell circus um, for us to turn around and to just kind of, you know, stick our flag in the ground and go, listen, we, you know, we can hold our own um, even more so than, you know, the moral victories that we had against the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. This was this was us really sitting back and being like, we this team can play yeah like this game i mean maybe maybe at the end of the year it doesn't matter and maybe the browns aren't gonna make the playoffs but going into this season they are a playoff team and i could still see them in the playoffs and they would be really good um that whole afc north is a fan is fantastic but this is a statement win yep and i think and you can you can just see it in the way that the media has talked um they started they started talking like it after the panthers game and now you know the whole national football media is kind of sitting back and being like oh my god like are you know we're we're already seeing think pieces about like this is the start of the next patriots dynasty and oh my god the patriots are good again and watch out AFC 
AFC and everything else. And I mean, I know that I know that the Chiefs looked really good yesterday again, um, which they haven't this season. But with the way that they were playing earlier in the season, uh, to have the Patriots win like they did last night, you know, you do kind of sit back and you have to be like, oh my god, like this. I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say that this team could be as long as there's no major implosions, this team could easily make it to the playoffs. And if they can make it to the playoffs and keep their wits about them, I mean, we've seen we've seen a Bill Belichick Patriots team with a rookie quarterback this before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest keys to this game was we had a full strength offensive line. Everyone was healthy on that line, which I mean, Miles Garrett, he is he might be the defensive player of the year when it's all set and done this year. Yeah. He's really good. He was only able to get one sack, which I mean, one sack is maybe not good, but that was his only tackle of this of the the game. And that's especially saying something after the issues that we had earlier in the season with the offensive line, you know, that you know, we weren't going to get through an entire season and have a winning season if Mac was on his ass, you know, every four or five plays. Right. And the kind of pressure we were able to get on Baker. That was yeah. five so sacks. So much fun like they constantly had to punt it away we just i mean we took advantage and there was you could you you could tell that there was communication and like everybody was in on the game plan the actual the offensive play calling was inventive and worked really well they had the browns defense's number like and our defense had their offenses not like everything just kind of clicked or arguably the first time this season maybe the second time in a row if you if you look at some of the highlights from that panthers game but mac jones was dealing in this one. Oh, he was money like he was accurate he was he was he was getting all the right reads out um there was a w- one point when it was like the miles garrett sack and he was just standing there like looking for someone to throw to and he just stands there and i'm like come on run run <laughs> i'm like running i'm yelling at my tv i'm like just just go and like just move miles garrett just like hugs him from behind wrapped him up i'm like ah but that was tough but like there's not much to complain about this game oh in fact there's reason for celebration the law the law offices of jacoby and myers finally got a touchdown in garbage time in garbage time from hoyer the destroyer like uh that's like the second time hoyer has come into the game um like after a blowout yep they also took trent brown out as well during that time which i think is smart because he's been battling injuries all season long yeah it's it would be it would be a waste to have him get in you know have him get injured when the game is you know i think at that i think at that point when they brought hoyer in the espn app it has the like the win percentage uh in the corner Mm -hmm. it tells you you know tells you the percentage of likelihood that whatever team will win and i think at that point at that point in the fourth quarter it was already like 99.9 percent chance that the patriots win the game just ridiculous and i mean we just we had them in the palm of our hand it was awesome yeah i mean 45 straight points exactly just nothing not nothing to complain about there i thought it was going to be a competitive game which you know it's fine hey i'll take the win i want to get i want to see i want to see this team just build on that and man how great would it be if we just run the table that'd There's, be that'd be fun it's un it's unlikely uh looking at the schedule the way that it is um coming up on thursday which this will hopefully be out before then uh thursday we've got a primetime game against the falcons yeah um so happy uh happy 28 to 3 day on november 18th <laughs> 
I mean, Falcons are decent this year, um, but I would say Patriots have the edge in this one for sure. Um, that Titans game, like in two weeks, that one's going to be a tough game. I think if if the Titans if the Titans get you know rested up and kind of buttoned up a little bit, I think that that that's going to be a tough one. But with some of the injuries that they've had this season and the fact that they are the Titans, I you know I think that I think the Falcons and the Titans are both. I think the Falcons is probably an easily winnable game. Like they haven't made a lot of noise. It's more winnable for sure. Yeah. The Titan, the Titans is going to be a com- that's going to be a competition no matter what. Mike Vrabel is a great coach, and the Flaming Thumbtacks are you know they've given us issues in the past. But like I said, with injuries and stuff like that, I think that's I still think that's a winnable game. The real worry comes on uh, on December sixth when we play the Bills. That's going to be a tough one. Um, I mean, that game is going to that's going to be the division. That's for yep. like whoever wins that game is going to win the division. Yep, which is huge. That's um, but the, I think the surprise thing about the Patriots this year is like we're kind of we're really good on the road we haven't lost a game yet on the road we are more likely to lose at home yeah my only my only issue is that we haven't really seen we haven't really seen Mac in like a true like a true blue New England winter game never mind being on the road in upstate New York in December like that's that's going to be a real kind of test to see where you know where the kid is actually at because that could that could very easily I mean, how many times? How many times have they talked about weather advantage when it comes to the Patriots in the winter? Oh yeah, you know? for sure. I mean, if I had to venture a guess for that game, Mac is going to throw it under twenty gate under twenty times. We're going to run it down Buffalo's throat for like forty times. We're going to hope to God that Matthew Judon can do what he does in the cold. I mean, because we need to. We got to keep Josh Allen reined in. Yeah, Josh Allen is he's a tricky guy. Yep. So we play the. Bills. After that, on the 19th, we play the Colts. December 26th, the Bills come to Foxborough. Jaguars after that on January 2nd and Dolphins on January 9th. Um, the Colts, I'm not super worried about. I think Car- um, Carson Wentz has been hot and cold and I feel like I feel like that's a recipe for disaster if you're having that kind of season and you're playing Bill Belichick. Like, I mean, they, Jaguars are going to be an easy one. <laughs> I mean, the Colts do have Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the best running backs this season. So so that's going to yeah. be interesting. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm feeling Buffalo's, good. After, I'm feeling good after this game. Yeah, Buffalo is really the only worry, and I think that you know, especially if we keep it up these next two weeks, I think if we, I think if we do what we need to against the Falcons and the Titans, that first Bills game is going to be really tough, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's, I wouldn't be surprised if that's our next loss. Um, but then playing them again on December 26th in Foxborough, I think we have a pretty good track record of you know the second time that we play somebody in any given season we've got a much better idea of what their number is and how to mitigate disasters i mean that miami game was close uh, it was very close i mean that miami game was very close and we were also not you know firing on all cylinders like we have for the past few weeks so i think that also miami has just you know they've become a little bit of a mess since uh since the beginning of the season so i think i think finishing out the season against miami is going to be a really good way to you know cap off super interesting year 
year. Yeah. And then again, you can't, I mean, you can't underestimate any team in the NFL, but I don't think anybody's super worried about the Jaguars on January 2nd. Yeah, that's fair. It's a, it's a, it's a rookie quarterback playing against Bill Belichick. They're, you know, toast. We've, we've seen that movie a million times. Yeah, we have. I mean, if you look at the games that we have played, we've been in all of them except for the Saints game. The Saints game was a game that we didn't deserve to win because that was just yeah, bad. We, just, we did, we did terrible. But like Dolphins game, we were in it t- till the very end. Buccaneers game, close. That Cowboys game, man, that one was tough, but we can play with them. We can play with all those teams. Yeah, I mean, there's not, there hasn't been a game where we've, there hasn't been a game this season where we've re- like really sat back and been like, what the hell is happening outside of like outside of that Saints game? Yeah, that's that's like the only exception to it. Um, yeah, but who knows? Um, Falcons could do a beatdown on us. Uh, you know. <laughs> Hopefully not. I, mean, I really hope not. But also that franchise, that franchise, and that fandom wants revenge real bad. I mean, they want a World Series. Like the Atlantic curse is over. That's true. Like, be happy with that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hey. I- I'm not sorry about twenty-eight to three. Twenty-eight to three is never. always a funny meme. And I will never. I will never. I will never ever be sorry about twenty-eight to three. Like that's a funny meme. Co-signed by meme lord in chief Tom Brady. <laughs> Good God. Oh man. Oh yeah. Um, anything else about anything else about the Patriots this week? Oh, shout out Ramondre Stevenson. Um, great game out of him. And oh, God, what a guy. Love to see more of him. And I'm um, cheersing Jacoby Myers for his first career uh, touchdown pass or not pass. Uh, catch. Cheers. Link. Jacoby Myers. Never heard of him. <laughs> and uh, I love. I love. Oh God, Hunter Henry just seven touchdowns in seven games doing the doing the tight end thing like we we have an actual tight end in new england again and that is that is a thing of beauty oh yeah like those those signings have made a huge difference this year absolutely and i'm happy they're working out the uh the train seems to be rolling and i'm i am quite happy about it yeah we're picking up momentum and let's just see where the train heads up uh leads us to not not a moment soon all right you want to transition to something else transition so what do you think about uh the new patriots album uh let us know what you think about it uh let let me know your thoughts (laughs) did you love it did you love it did you hate it what would you rate it (laughs) you're the best you're the best what should i review next anyways speaking of music and the melon head himself I guess not the Melonhead himself. Um, let's talk about the Travis Scott Astro World World tragedy. Yeah, catch catch me up on this. I haven't like that's not really Travis Scott is not really in my uh, in my world of music consumption and stuff. But I've seen that there was a whole lot of hoopla around that. So Travis Scott is not really in my general listening. Like I listen to a couple songs. Sicko Mode is a good song. That's about it. <laughs> like, but he has this festival called Astro world in houston has it has had it a couple times he runs it with live nation and basically at the beginning of the day there were people jumping the fences to get in and like stampeding the line basically breaking in like which terrible terrible to see that and then when it got to his performance at like nine o'clock at night people were moving up to the stage stampeding people like getting like uh going into cardiac arrest there were 
were, it ended up like now at this point, nine people have passed away from this concert. And I'm trying to think, um, there are videos of him still performing while ambulances and medical people are trying to get people out of there who are like passing out or just dying. So there's like, a, there's a lot of terrible looks in this, this, um, from this event. And we've both worked in like the concert space. We've both done live production of events. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always tough to hear stories about things like that. Um, see a lot of people reposting on social media, like old videos of, you know, even, you know, even bigger bands and bigger artists in arguably bigger, you know, concert spaces and stuff where they'll stop their show to call out security or to, you know, make sure that people are taking care of other people. And I think it's like, like, it's a, it's a bad look all around for, you know, for Travis Scott's team and everything to handle the situation the way they did in the moment. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of reports about like shenanigans and stuff that went on during and after those events. I think it's, I like, I find it tough to care about the story as a whole, just because, you know, coming from the, coming from the musical spaces that you and I did, right? like, I would argue that there are a lot of situations that we've been, like, we've like voluntarily put ourselves in that could be argued are more dangerous than the festival setting the way that it was there. But there's this kind of thing in the alternative in the punk community of, you know, even when it just comes to mosh etiquette, like somebody falls, you pick them back up. Yeah. And you see, you see a lot of people posting a lot of these videos from, you know, other artists and other bands doing the right thing when put in those situations, because that's just kind of how it is. And that's being a decent person in like the live music space. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to form like an opinion or any kind of outrage when you look at it and you're like, okay, Travis Scott. Travis Scott is like one of these like modern breeds of pop star, right? Hip hop, yeah. And yeah, and when it comes like when it comes to that, you get a lot of people that are not necessarily knowledgeable about show etiquette or what situations like that can look like. Mm-hmm. So, like I don't I don't want to sound like I'm victim blaming because obviously I'm not and what happened was a tragedy. It's just hard for me personally to like sit back and feel any kind of outrage just because like you're getting a lot of people going to a massive music festival that are not used to you know any kind of true intensity the way that other musical outlets i guess provide yeah so you look at you look at something like that you couple that with you know just the fervor and the hunger of people that want to like people that want to see live music after not being able to see it for a year and a half and without without regulations and without having like a heads-up mentality shit like that happens i mean finn mckenty not to that extent Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't think, because like, Ben McKenty, the punk rock MBA, made this point on a video. Like, when you go to a hardcore show, you're expecting violence. You're expecting to see violence. Like, it's probably the most violent scene out of metal, punk, and any other extreme genre of music. You don't expect to see violence at a Travis Scott concert, or like a pop concert. Which ostensibly is 
what Travis Scott is. So that's kind of what I was getting at is that like the intensity, the intensity of everything that was the intensity of everything that was going on seems like I think that's kind of, that's kind of where I lost like I I lost the kind of general thread of the whole thing is that like I'm used to I'm used to that kind of intensity right going to shows yeah and I think a lot of people are not used to that kind of thing and would be ill prepared in a space like that and that's something that you know tour management and venue security and you know all those other layers of checks and balances like they need to be they need to be prepared for the worst at all times not just when it's expected and to have to have that kind of thing happen and to be to have it kind of goaded on by the artists themselves is just a like it's a really bad look what's like i what gets me is travis scott has encouraged this type of behavior beforehand he has uh he's been charged for like disorderly conduct with his performances before um he got sued by somebody because they jumped off he encouraged somebody to jump off a banister at terminal five in new york like he encourages people to go crazy at his concerts and to try to kill each other and do that kind of stuff and, and i'm all, and like i'm all right with a little bit of chaos yeah in the for live sure music space obviously but it's i think it's kind of like a like it's a little bit of a modern day like woodstock 99 right like there's there's a there's a level of just decency and respect that you have to have for the people next to you and just because there's just because there's some dude up on the stage telling you to you know in this case it wasn't well in this case yeah it was basically it was exactly like fred durst from limp biscuit just you know going off about break stuff yeah you know? inciting a riot <laughs> yeah there's there's a fine line between you know a little bit of a little bit of organized organized chaos that we're used to and actual rioting which is what seems to be the case for astroworld yeah i for me i have been following this story very closely just because i am in that space i have worked in a lot of concert venues beforehand and i know about safety and like in every single venue i've worked at we preach safety number one none of that was followed and i guess what bothers me too is travis scott seeing an ambulance trying to go through the crowd to get somebody he doesn't stop the performance he's just standing there doing the robot like that yeah. that's frustrating to see like i've seen plenty of other videos of like i've seen billy eilish I've seen little uh little pump or like uh who wrote that Gucci Gang song? Wasn't it little Oh my god. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it I think it might have been little pump. But there was like a clip of him stopping like his performance and checking on somebody for passing out. We've seen Corey Taylor, Chester uh uh Bennington, all the all these major pop stars stopping shows for the crowd, like stopping their performance to check on the crowd and make sure they're good. Travis didn't do that. That's just like it does make you kind of sit back and think like people that are there, especially for a festival like the one that he was putting on. The people are there to see you and those people like those people, I'm sure, pay like a lot of money to go to an event like that, especially if they're in like a general admission area. Right. Like they were, you know, kind of, you know, crowded, crowded in behind barriers and barricades. Like those people are fans of yours. And, you know, you kind of like you expect just you expect a level of human decency to begin with but especially for a person that gets to have a stage like that a little like a literal physical stage that's that big and that you know far reaching with that many people in front of you you'd think that you would give a shit about the people supporting you and there just wasn't that mu 
mutual respect. Like these people are paying money to see you. Yeah, I think like it's it's a dirtbag look, honestly. But again, like it's hard to it's hard to feel like outrage or any you know or have like super super strong opinions on something like this when you're coming from I guess kind of a little bit of a place of privilege with like our musical upbringing, where that you know respecting respecting the person next to you just as much as you're respecting the people on the stage. Like that's the law in punk in punk and hardcore. Yeah, and for that not to happen is just another kind of example of man like we're just we're we're lucky to occupy the space that we do with you know our musical listening and our show going experiences because it would suck like you have to imagine that that was somebody's first concert like there were people there that there were people there that were in that pit that you know that's that's their only live music experience and that's got to suck to have something like that happen and to turn around and like that's your that image is kind of burned in your brain when it comes to the idea of live music and that'll like that'll get you yeah i mean live music is supposed to bring people together it's not supposed to destroy that um and i mean this isn't the only example of something like this happening i think this is probably one of the biggest large-scale events that has happened well i had a i had a friend growing up who you know there was there was a group of us all through high school and we all listened to a lot of the same music and we all used to go to shows together and play shows together and stuff and uh this friend we went there was a group of us that all traveled out to uh albany new york i think it was albany to a place called northern lights and we went to go see taking back sunday after they had kind of reunited with the original lineup and it was a tiny room for a band that was you know kind of reaching another peak in their career so obviously it like the place was just packed and it was there was a lot of energy and it was an insane show and he had a little bit of a similar experience where he was walking like he was walking in a little bit inexperienced with that kind of energy and that kind of claustrophobia that comes with a show of that kind and it ruined live music for him for more than a few years it took a long time to get him to start coming to shows again and to get him to really enjoy being in that space and that's i think that's probably my biggest takeaway from the entire thing is just like if you're if you're in you know if you're in the pit if you're you know part of the crowd just have some respect for the people next to you and if you're on the stage like respect (laughs) respect the people that paid money to come and see you and support you yeah and i I just don't think either of those things really happened in this particular case and that's a pretty severe bummer yeah and i mean travis scott and live nation are now feeling the lawsuits rightfully so they deserve to be sued and you know travis scott probably deserves like 60 percent of the blame it's his event he sets the tone he it's his name on it it's like when when we created when we did like all of our music industry club events it was our name on it so if a band did something problematic ultimately it was on us exactly and then part of it is also live nation i mean live nation was also working with travis scott they clearly i mean they didn't hire enough security there weren't enough i mean like for example like in one of the venues that i've worked at for a five thousand like a six thousand cap venue there were three emts on staff that's not a lot yeah especially not for a literal festival I mean, like a three for huge, huge event. Three for my venue. I can't imagine how many there were for uh, Astro World, and you know, it got me thinking because I have already, I've already been trained in CPR. I've already ha- 
had all the the first aid experience done, I'm probably going to sign up for another CPR class just in case something like this happens again, just to have that certification. And I think venues across America, because this is going to, this is, I think this is going to be changing how a lot of venues look at shows and performers, especially performers who incite violence. Like, do you want that person performing? Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, I, I think it's probably, it's gained enough kind of attention and it's a big enough kind of platform and event that, yeah, I think you might, I think you start, you start to see some reactionary moves by Live Nation and by other venues. And I think the, the negative, the only real negative side effect of that is just going to be, I think some of the, some of the drama that you're going to see come out of it, you know, you know, no, for sure. hundred, hundred cap venues, hundred cap venues are not going to need to make a statement about the training that they're giving their five employees. Oh no, of and course not. You know, you like you know that stuff is going to happen, and there's going to be some. I think there's probably going to be a decent amount of kind of self-important, you know, back padding that comes out of this, uh, which is an unfortunate side effect of the <laughs> the metaverse that we live in. Um, <laughs> hey, but, hey, I don't want Mark Zuckerberg to sue us. Don't want you don't, don't want to get zucked. Don't don't say meta. Oh fuck, I said meta. <laughs> Yeah, it's um yeah, I think it I, I think the the fallout the fallout is going to be interesting if nothing else. It's just it sucks. It sucks to see everything that's happened and you just hope that, you know, people take the right steps to avoid something like that happening again. I I hope so. <laughs> Yeah. So moving on, uh, there was one more kind of dark horse topic that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit on this episode. Um, if you're cool to transition into one more topic. Transition. Here we go again. Um, Hopefully it's so, something a little happier. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't necessarily say happier, but definitely interesting on the music tip is there's a lot of reporting going on right now about vinyl shortages. I have heard about that. The effects of, you know, pressing plants that are being, you know, backed up for some of them nine to 12 months. So if you send your record off to a pressing plant in anticipation of releasing that record, you might not have vinyl for up to a year. And a really big part of that is some of the bigger artists that have been releasing music lately and have the kind of financial backing and the kind of just business power to, you know, stop, like basically stop that production for everybody else. Yeah, I saw, what was it? I think it was Adele with her recent album. She pressed like 250,000 copies of her record on vinyl. It was like a report about that I saw. So the reports that I've seen have said almost half a million copies are being pressed for Adele for Adele that's ludicrous and similar numbers for some of these re-releases that Taylor Swift is in the middle of but here's the thing though like and I like Adele I like her music and I'm trying to think of her her typical fan I don't think her typical fan is buying vinyl they're streaming it people are stream yeah people are most people are going to be streaming that and it's it's an interesting I think it's kind of an interesting topic of discussion because if you think about it, I would argue, at least from where I'm sitting, most of the vinyl-based, you know, physical copy record stores that I've encountered have been either heavily reliant on, you know, used and vintage vinyl, right. or it's been, you know, punk rock.
walk alternative places like Armageddon Shop in Boston, mm. or even to an extent um, down here in Nashville, Grimey's, um, a couple of a couple of other record stores on like Looney Tunes over in uh, over on Long Island. Right. They're a, you know they were kind of an institution for Long Island hardcore. I mean Newberry Comics with all their vinyl pressings. And so much of Newberry Comics is, you know, exclusive pressings of Run for Cover records and things like that. Like there's a there's a real focus on a lot of the independent and more underground kind of music because those are the people that, you know, people like us that buy records. Right. So yeah. so from that perspective, it's kind of hard to sit back and justify half a million copies of an Adele LP that are gonna what collect dust at an Amazon warehouse or you know on the shelves that nobody touches at target yeah seriously i mean i and you can call me a fucking boomer for this i don't care (laughs) so yesterday i after watching football i was watching 60 minutes big boomer energy i know Mm -hmm. anyways they ran a story tick 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 They ran a story on the supply chain and why things are taking so long to get shipped out. And because there's a delay with everything, not just vinyl records. Yeah. But there aren't enough people working in the port. There aren't enough truckers to supply it. Um, There was one guy who he ordered his whole Christmas order in May and it didn't arrive until like three weeks ago. And now he's getting charged. They can't, he can't even get to his order because there are literal shipment boxes on top of it like in the shipyard and he's being charged rent for and then he has to charge more for those toys that he has to sell that's ridiculous and we're at a bottleneck with probably the record or the vinyl companies as well there aren't enough places that are pressing records and probably not enough people that are working in those factories to make them and that's been i mean that's been true for a long time there's been there's been an argument from a lot of independent artists for a while now um arguing against the record store day holiday specifically you know the the companies that do reissues and you know big big orders and um represses for record store day you know it's kind of an ongoing joke in the vinyl community of like oh yeah band x has to wait six months eight months a year for their record their new record to get pressed because you know warner music group or whoever it is has to press another 25,000 copies of rumors by fleetwood mac yeah and i mean this time on lavender vinyl <laughs> i mean we don't need like, i i mean ugh. We don't need that though. You can get a used copy pretty well. Like I, I dare our listeners to find a vinyl, like any vinyl shop, any of them, from big box store all the way down to your little local independent place. I dare you to go somewhere where they don't have rumors on vinyl. Like it's one of those staple records that everybody has multiple copies of, used or new, and it's things like that that have really bogged down, you know, that part of the music business because. Who who's the person that's who's the person that's a completionist about a record like that and tries to get it on all the different colors and everything? That's just not a. I don't think that person really exists. I know people are big Fleetwood Mac fans, but I don't think anybody's actually collecting all two hundred something variants that that record definitely has. And I mean, there are there are definitely people out there that collect different variants of the same record. I mean, oh for sure, like you're one. And that's <laughs> I'm I I definitely am I. 
there are some times where, you know, a new variant comes out or, you know, there's a remaster or something. And yeah, you love to hop onto something like that. But a lot of the things that I do that with are records where they're pressing maybe a couple thousand at a time or maybe total as opposed to, you know, five, 500,000 copies of Adele's new album. There are not 500,000 people that are going to buy that record on vinyl. I mean, there's, there's millions upon millions of people that are going to stream that record and probably a probably a solid few thousand that are still going to buy it on CD to put it in their cars. Yep. Things like that. But that just seems it seems like a waste of money and resources for something that doesn't seem that essential, especially when there are, you know, it's it's one of those things where I understand that it's a business and, you know, welcome to the wonderful world of capitalism like these these massive major labels and distributors have the, you know, they have the they have the financial power to go and do something like this. But I can't like I can't imagine that that's a worthwhile use of all that money and backing up all of those plants when there's more interesting more interesting things that could be coming out. I could. So it's that battle of democratization of music versus you know it's a business. So they're they're following they're following where the money is and money. But like 500 copies. So like that's like. Uh... I like Adele. I'm probably going to... I haven't listened to her new record yet, but I'm probably going to stream it at some point. I'm not going to buy it on vinyl. And I think a lot of people think that way as well. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a major label, major artist, and the image that I'm looking at is a double LP. That, like, that level of artist with that kind of packaging and that kind of product there, that's going to be a $40 record. Are there that many people that love both vinyl and Adele so much that they're going to pay... 40 to 50 bucks for that album. I don't think there's, I don't think there's half a million people that would do that. And that's, that's a frustrating thing as somebody that would like to eventually break into that space. It's frustrating to watch something as cool as the vinyl boom that you and I really kind of grew up in. Yeah. Get cannibalized by something like this, basically. There's also no scarcity with this. Like, yeah. there's no incentive to buy it. Like, if, if Adele came out and was like, I'm going to press 10 thousand of these i'd be like you know what that's a huge shipment but like that makes sense that creates scarcity and people are gonna want to buy that yeah it that is that is actually an interesting point i didn't think about it from a purely like supply and demand kind of thing you know that is part of the that is part of the charm of being a vinyl collector is in a lot of cases there's a scarcity you go to record stores and you dig through you dig through the records to try and find ones that you want or you know when something when something goes up for pre-order there's variants that you know you might want one versus the other there's only so many so maybe you hope that your local record store gets it maybe you're buying it directly from the label right like half a million copies of adele's lp Twenty-five thousand of those are going to be sitting in an amazon warehouse the other you know the rest of them are all going to be gathering dust at urban outfitters and newberry comics and target and walmart and like I, I put it to this like when i've gone to a lot of record stores like especially alternative record stores chances are I'm always going to see the same basement record. Wish you were here. Wish I could mm -hmm. wish I could stay here, which I didn't buy until very recently. But I knew if I if no matter what record store I would go into, I would see that record. I was never incentivized to buy it because it's always there until very recently when I was like, you know what? I don't have it. I might as well get it. Yeah, that's going to be the same thing with this Adele record. Oh, I can just get it here or oh, I'll get it. I'll get it like the next time next time comes you're like next time it's, it's another it's just another kind of funny thing where it just shows how some of the some of these major 
major labels are just completely out of touch with the actual consumer habits, I guess, of, you know, their fans. Like there are there are independent record labels that make really good money yeah. and do really well by operating on that scarcity and being able to feel out when to repress, when how many to press in the first place, things like that. Um like again, we t- I mean, we talked about we talked about off the record last week. Right. But, uh Zach Cirillo and Thomas Nassif's label Bad Timing Records, they put a thousand dollars in, I think maybe together or each. Um to do their first couple of pressings and were able to literally operate that purely off of the profits of vinyl records that they pressed without having to introduce any additional capital for a while. And it became a self it became a self-sustaining and actually like profitable business that way, as opposed to this where it just seems like I mean now, major labels have fuck you money. So And I mean, this is going to kill a lot of small labels. Not run for cover, not like something like that, for example. Because I think Yeah, there's plenty there's plenty of established ones that I think are fine. But like there are some that are going like if we started a record label today and we were going to be vinyl based, this would kill it. How do you I, how do you try to communicate with a band of like, oh yeah, like let's press your music. Oh, you have to wait 6 months? Like no one wants to do that. I would argue that I mean 7 7 years after we took a whack at starting a label and granted we were dealing with cassette tapes, we had one 7 inch that we pressed and that was lathe cut, which is a whole other very almost almost purely independent part of uh, kind of the vinyl industry. Um, You know, even if we had kept Further Sky really, truly alive up until this point, like, unless we had some sort of massive, massive hit on our hands that really helped us get established or something, if we had had transitioned to vinyl at some point and we were still alive now, this would destroy that business. Yeah. And it's gonna, like, it's going to hurt independent music really badly. And yeah, how do you, like, how do you fix that? Especially when it's, it's hard to open pressing plants i mean those most of most of the vinyl that's being pressed in the world is being pressed on machines that were built in the 50s and 60s right at the inception of vinyl to begin with and we're lucky to still have the ones that we have after you know cds and digital and even to an extent cassettes kind of i guess if hypothetically there was a record label out there who was reliant on vinyl record sales but weren't making the kind of numbers that they wanted to i i would kind of use the same model as Triple B, where what Triple B does, and Triple Triple B Records is, they're a record label out of hardcore, hardcore Boston label, but one of the nice and cool things that they do is they'll do very limited runs of shirts and hats, kind of like kind of like Supreme in a way. Like you know, like how Supreme does like limited runs of all their shirts, and like people get the hype beast get really hyped out, hyped about it. Yeah, like that's what I would do. I would transition to limited run shirts. Like you can only get so many of these cool design shirts, and then that's it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's a. I mean, that's it's that again that scarcity and that I would argue exclusivity as well. Yeah. Um, that I mean that has driven underground culture, especially punk and hardcore and alternative music. I mean that's that's the bread and butter of that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's what started the vinyl boom to begin with too. Why get the standard basement B hoodie when you could get like a really cool designed basement hoodie with like a limited design? Like it's only. Ex- 
exclusive to like that tour. I'd rather get exactly. the tour exclusive shirt that no one else can get. I I agree, and it's uh, and not only again, not only does that get you, you know, it gets you your punk points, but that's also it's it's a smart business strategy for those labels and those artists, and it's you know things like this make it hard. It, they make it harder to do even that. You know that that limited that limited you know vinyl pressing or shirt or you know hoodie or hat whatever is harder to make profitable and to make you know interesting and available in the first place when you have these massive artists that take up just completely stall the pressing plants yeah <sighs> So yeah, kind of a kind of a downer episode after all the uh, after all the positivity of the Patriots. But yeah, it's this is this is the world that we occupy. Yeah, this is the space that we occupy where we have a tragedy at a music event and record sales are being fucked over by Adele. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yes. All right, let's get into some uh, some uh, recommendations. Something let's... a little bit happier talk about recommendations oh boy mine mine is heavily based on my birthday and i'm very excited to announce to all of our listeners that your boy has leveled up in his adulting game oh and in and in his food game and thanks to my lovely parents i now have an air fryer dan is vigorously shaking his head at me because i, th- and I don't care i think they're a waste of money dude i have one let- and it's a waste of money although i didn't spend the money on it but still Neither did I. But let me tell you, the seasoned curly fries and dinosaur chicken nuggets that I had for dinner tonight were so much better than oven baked. And no. I'm, I'm never I'm never looking back. No. Yes. Like uh, an oven does everything an air fryer does. You don't need it. Oh, but this air fryer is not just an air fryer. It looks like a very fancy one. It is an air fryer and a toaster and a grill and an oven. It does it's a dehydrator too it does all of the things damn if only we were in college and we had that dude if we (laughs) (laughs) if we had if we had an air fryer if we had an air fryer in college um i don't think they would have allowed it in the dorms we lived in our freshman year but i think our like our freshman 15 would have come like sophomore or junior year because i don't i don't think we would have like we would have we would have cooked at home just that much more yeah and we probably would have had to deal much less with the gastrointestinal issues that we had eating at Bartels. Bartels and oh god, what what was the place that we went to like pretty much every day? Wow. No, not wow, because that was freshman year. It was like junior and senior year, mostly junior year. Yeah, that was wasn't wow wow cafe. Wasn't that the one with all the like fried chicken? Oh and yeah, the it was and, wow. Never yeah. mind. I was thinking of um food on demand yeah food on demand was good for the first like two weeks and then they got really bad really quickly (laughs) it was so bad The only the only consistently great food on that campus was Sandella's. But I don't know. Sandella's was it was okay. Oh, that uh the chicken fajita quesadilla, I still dream about that thing. It was a solid like 6.5. I'd I'd say 7 to 7.5 out of 10. Uh, but I, like I I could have eaten one of those I could have eaten one of those quesadillas every day and I would have been just fine. Oh man. They were so good. Just the right amount of spice a cheesy chicken goodness oh god 
I want to go. I want to go back to UNH, and the like one of the only things that I would do is go straight to Sandellas and be like, "All right, it's time to relive the glory days." Imagine Sandellas isn't there anymore. I would be sad, not just for my taste buds, but also for all of the kids that live on that campus that would not get to experience the chicken fajita quesadilla. I mean, I will say this. I and I realized this 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 weekend um, because I got Tasty Burger for the first time in a long time. Oh man, I haven't had Tasty Burger since before the war. It's really good, and I got that with the fry and onion rings combo. Mm. And you know, the fry and onion rings combo was a little too much. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I just did it come back to haunt you. I felt bad. I was like, oh man. Feel like crap. It's like anytime I can't anytime eat like I've that anymore. F- I can't eat like Yo, that any, anymore. Anytime I go to Five Guys, I enjoy it in the moment and then regret it pretty much immediately after. I I walk it's what, past Five Guys when I go to work or like when I go and get lunch, and I can never bring myself in there. I can't do it. That, I have, that's I a day ruiner. Shake Shack. I walk by Shake Shack every day, and yeah, the I mean Shake Shack. Shake Shack is not quite as violent to my. Uh, to my system as five guys is but it's not great either i I, like my issue with like shake shack it's really good but i'm always left feeling hungry afterwards yeah their burgers are kind of small also for the love of god shake shack cut the burger bun all the way through no i like that no i like that i get no i get that you're trying to be fancy but when your burgers are that greasy it all just pools into that one little notch of potato bun at the end and but infuriating grease is a condiment which grease is a condiment which that's that's the title of the episode grease is a condiment it's good but like i'm calling it right now maybe that's my downfall and maybe that's why tasty burger messed me up uh on saturday especially like eating on an empty stomach eating that like when you haven't had anything the the day before like the whole day except for like three cups of coffee yeah one of those days today uh rough but you get to like got to like three o'clock in the afternoon and i was like i think i'm dying that was me anyways air fryer dumb uh you're wrong fair enough fair enough <laughs> you're wrong fair fair enough anyways what do i have for a recommendation well i got a couple um new pup songs really good new pine grove songs really enjoy them fantastic and there is a fantastic coming through in the spring it's turnstile who we've talked to or talked about citizen who run for cover and they're fantastic yep. ceremony who i haven't seen ceremony in i want to say like close to 10 years at this point which is insane I mean, that was, and they're, now they're playing at, in like, the Palladium, which is, that's... That's going to be an insane show. That's insane. And I saw a ceremony in like, like a hundred cap venue the last time. Yeah. So that's, that's a show I'm circling for sure. Um, I can't... Absolutely stacked gig. I can't wait to go to that one. Um, and... Well, let me give you Pine Grove's, the, the name of Pine Grove's new songs, because they're also going on tour with a new record, which is fantastic. 
Oh, yeah. Um, Alaska and Orange. And then Pup, who, you know, I didn't get into until quarantine. And as soon as I heard they were going on tour, especially playing like House of Blues, I was like, I have to get tickets to this. Um, waiting and Kill Something. So listen to all four of those songs and uh, hopefully go to all those gigs. For sure. We've also, uh, it's worth mentioning on the music tip, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and plug the new uh, Drug Church songs. Drug Church just announced that they're putting out an album called Hygiene, uh, I think early next year, if I remember correctly. And yeah, March 11th, 2022, which checks out with the vinyl delays that we were talking about. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, they have a new single. They have a new single called Million Miles of Fun, which is awesome. Uh, and there's a second one. They released two songs. They basically released two singles. It's not an A-side, B-side thing. They released two songs uh, the other day, and they're both awesome. It's like hardcore tinged 90s grunge kind of deal. And yeah, that band is sick. So go listen to the new songs by Drug Church. Sweet. Cool. Anything else to add before we say good night? I think that's it. Um, like us and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Pack Your Run Pod. I know that we're not extremely active, but... Um, but we will get back to it, we promise. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, Eventually, yeah. we'll get this show on the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely follow us Uh I believe both of our personal Instagrams and Twitters are in the bios of both of those. So you can follow both of us and see what we're up to because we post way more on our personal. It's all memes all the time. Yeah. Even when they're not actual memes. So yeah, I think that's about it. We'll uh, we'll catch you guys next time. We'll try and not make it three weeks, but you know we keep saying that and it keeps happening. So whatever. See you at Christmas. <laughs> See, <laughs> See you guys later. Bye. Bye bye.